When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feel good. First, what was that game? Is that technically a game winner? First one. But, uh, Question. All right, here we go. Smart. Looking. Looking for Tatum. Gets it in. Tatum takes it. Makes it. Edwards says, I am hot. Oh, oh, oh man. Right away, Walker goes baseline, sends it back out to Smart. He'll try a three. Got it! Marcus Smart is so good. Marcus Smart is so good. Smart, same spot, same result. Haywood again comes away with it on the run. Bounce pass, Tatum! Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, a.k.a. Brittle Gash. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone out there, and also to you, Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's things going? Oh, not too bad, man. I've been up way too early um, for a Saturday morning, and I think uh-huh. you're the same, um, particularly when that's the game you wanted to watch. But all things considered, it's all, it's all good, man. It's all good. How are you? Uh, yeah, I've been better. 4 a.m. start, a, a tough watch. <sighs> 4 a.m. Sydney time. Uh, the Celtics obviously losing 107 to 112. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Also coming up on the show, we would be remiss not to share some thoughts and feelings around the Kyrie Irving situation as it is sort of a, a current affair. And perhaps we'll close it out with the Celtics Reddit recap and a look at the upcoming schedule. But first, let's look at this game. The second, the, the I guess, of a back-to-back, a home-and-home home against the Brooklyn Nets. Thoughts and feelings, Jackson, walking away from this one? Um, I prefer to look at them as like two games, like as like a two-legged sort of, you know, aggregate score, things like that. And I think if you take both games into account, everything was all good. Um, you know, one and one's probably a fair result. Brooklyn's a very good team, you know, I, I think um, without Kyrie Irving, <laughs> which we'll get, which we'll get into jab. later. Um, but um, yeah, no, look, this game wasn't that great. I mean, the defense was awful. We started badly again. I think the last time we had an episode, we said how much, well, I definitely said how much I, I, I want them just to correct that. Mm. those poor starts and it happened again here and um yeah and just guys like jared allen and spencer dinwiddie just just murdered us and it was just not our day yeah slow starts like you mentioned um like we're creeping up on 20 games now in the season and it's really starting to emerge as a bit of a trend like even Mm. when gordo was around and hopefully um you know fingers crossed he'll be back soon by all accounts um but you know it's it's a case really of um in in the last two games the celtics coming out really flat um, and just not fighting hard enough around some of those screens, uh, which in turn allows the shooters, uh, obviously Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie to get going. And then they just never sort of lose that momentum. And despite some spurts, some really good <laughs> Brad Wanamaker slash bench lineup led <laughs> spurts, which we'll get to. Um, despite, yeah, despite some of those spikes in our own momentum, it's like <clears throat> we just can never crawl back. Um, I was saying to you before we started recording, like, 
the real difference between the first game and the and the second game today was that um, Campbell Walker, you know, obviously made some really great clutch three point shots in that first game to sort of um, extend our lead there and um, sort of decisively tip things in in the favor of the Celtics. Um, he was able to generate those good looks again today, but he just wasn't knocking them down. So that's not going to mm-hmm. appear on the highlight reel, unfortunately. Um, but he was getting those open looks, but they just weren't going down for him. So um, sometimes that can be the difference, and I feel like that was pretty much the difference today. Yeah, when the shooting abandons you for like long stretches all over like over the course of an entire match, you know, it's it's very hard to do. And it's the shooting. I don't know if it's just me or maybe I'm just like looking at this pessimistically, but it just feels like yeah, the shots just aren't going in as like they like they were, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to worry about that because like I think that just comes and goes in waves, and you know, you have to obviously do other things right, which we do. But um, yeah, it's just it's just, particularly when you see guys like on the nets like Garrett Temple, Joe Harris is a very good shooter anyway. Mm-hmm. But like even you go back to you know the, the Buddy Heald's encounters and and just guys getting hot against us and it's like it, it compounds the frustration when we can't hit open shots. So um, yeah, I don't know. I hope that I just assume that's going to correct itself. But um, yeah, the, the, the starting the games well again is um, something we really need to correct immediately. Yeah, I actually had a look into that because it really does feel like I'm sure everyone you know who watches the games is feeling that at the moment that our opponent three point percentage is ridiculously high. Over Mm. the past five games, it's up around 34%. uh, And that's crept up to just below 40% in the the last two games against the Nets there. Um, Ridiculously high. Obviously, 40% opponent three-point percentage um, is hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, not sustainable. Um, Mm. But certainly, you know, we we talked a second ago about not fighting around those screens or getting caught up in those screens um, and just terrible perimeter defense in general. It's leading to that, that high... Uh, opponent three-point percentage which is terrible and you know today unfortunately caused us to lose the game um sticking with the defense very quickly um outside of basically late game situations that perimeter defense has been terrible brutal screens set by you know obviously guys like jared allen who um, is a big powerful screen setter and a great finisher around the rim as well but you know beyond the last two nets games it seems like it only takes maybe one two, three rotations to completely collapse our defense. Um, and then you add that to like late reactions to cuts, uh, little to no help defense, no boxing out. Um, <laughs> my last note here is just Enos Cantor. Um, it's a ter- terrible <laughs> recipe. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunately um, losing his games when we don't have that elite playmaker, you know, potential all-star in Gordon Hayward to sort of help us make up for that on on both ends of the floor. Uh, We're starting to see, unfortunately, um, I don't know if you want to call it a a regression to the mean, but we've seen all the good sides of this team already. And now, unfortunately, we're starting to see um, the bad sides sort of poking its head out, unfortunately. Yeah, and it was it was going to be inevitable after after a ten game win streak, you know, and it's it's kind of brought us a nice cushion to like almost at the, amongst the top, you know, uh, three or four teams in the East. But um, yeah, I was I've I've been kind of waiting for the bad stretch to come. And when I say bad stretch, I mean I think if we were to go like you know um, you know fifty fifty percent over the next I don't know the next three four there are three or four games let's say four games yeah leading up to Christmas <laughs> out of the three. yeah 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 something like that um that wouldn't be great on paper but i don't think it would be the end of the world if we can at least start correcting some of the issues now i think one of the main issues we have and i think we've talked about this before is probably the lack of a quality big man in there i love mm-hmm. the effort that tice is putting in i still think robert williams can turn into something but yeah enos Cantor, outside of like you know some some handy offensive rebounding rebounding rather and um 
and some scoring in the paint. Um, yeah, you can't really rely on him on the defense. And I wonder if that's just having a knock-on effect to the rest of the team. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of other things that they can focus on other than that. But I just wonder if, like, you know, having that lack of a presence, like a Baines, mm-hmm. you know, I can't quite let go of um, Bainesy, but um, I wonder if we just had a player more like in that style that was a bit more solidly defensively, um, whether that would, yeah, correct a few issues with it in other aspects of the defense is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. Today was the the first game really where I walked away thinking, shit, like maybe we do have a big man problem. Mm. And um, Enos Cantor is a, a weird one because you look at the lineup stats and some of the advanced stats and he's part of all of our like statistically best five-man lineups in terms mm. of like plus minus and um, uh, other advanced statistics. Uh, and yet, you know, the eye test just doesn't align with that at all. No. Um, I've never seen someone move so little on a court on both ends. Like he just kind of stands there. Um, and when he, he does slide his feet a little bit on defense, it doesn't amount to anything uh, in terms of, um, you know, disturbing a, a shot attempt at the rim by the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a tough, like uh, probably the toughest part of an overall tough watch today other than Tatum's early struggles um, was Enos Cantor just trying to defend the pick and roll it was just brutal yeah he's um, like the 2019 version of Greg Monroe for us <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, I mentioned Tatum a second ago shitty start to the game he had six turnovers overall and I think he had like four or five of them in the first half, many mm. of them in the first quarter and was just bricking everything. And I had to go back and delete some of my notes. Um, I was through bleary eyes, like trying to take some notes at like 4.30 a.m. as this game um, was happening. And around the second quarter, he just started to really heat up. And I really liked his shot distribution. It was a nice even mix of threes and finishing at the rim like starting to maybe get used to the idea that Tatum just had a shaky start with his rim finishing and now he's actually doing it semi-consistently um yeah it was just really good to see from Tatum I I really liked the way that he um recovered from from that terrible start yeah absolutely uh absolutely it's um it's frustrating when Tatum struggles because you know we have such high expectations for him and stuff like that but um seeing him come hot in the in the second quarter like that was really like necessary I think this game could have been like a proper blowout like I know we only lost by five but it feels like we lost by a lot more just because we were like perpetually like like losing the whole game but I think Tatum's a big part of the reason why we were at least able to you know be in there with a shot towards the end so um yeah no I, I agree with you man I think um I think maybe next year we'll definitely see more of him. I like try to think of like the the leap we've seen from Jalen Brown from last year this year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Tatum makes something similar to that too. But you know, to his amplified to his uh, tools and his potential. So I've been talking a lot, Jackson. Well, what else do you got? What other sort of thoughts and feelings did you did you take away from this game or the last two games against the Nets? Um, well, the overriding feeling about both these games really I mean, obviously I wanted to win them because I, I wanted to get like a nice little momentum back yeah, after uh, yeah. a couple of losses but I mean you can't really <laughs> escape the Kyrie Irving stuff can you no no I, I mean I suppose we should get to that and we can get to sort of the, the Celtics reaction to the Kyrie Irving stuff uh, post game a little bit later but uh, yeah the Kyrie Irving stuff what, what, you know you obviously saw the uh, Instagram diatribe slash rant um yeah, well, what was your reaction to that? <laughs> um, I'm speechless. No, yeah, not not surprising. The first thing I thought when I read it is I, th- I thought back to last year and the year before when something like that comes out and your first instinct, maybe my first instinct always was to read it and then just decide as a Celtics fan how I feel about it, regardless mm-hmm. of that, what he's saying, which is probably not the right way to go about it. But my, my, my first instinct was always like, okay, he's my guy. He's on the team. So how am I going to like... <laughs> 
How am I going to defend this? Basically, is what I'm trying to say. So it was really, it was a relief to like see it and just be like, ah, he's like not our problem anymore. But I mean, look, he's he's always had, uh, he's always never had a way with words, just like I'm having now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> look, it's and, an early and, start. The, the people yeah, out there are yeah, just going to exactly, have to yeah. forgive us for the energy forgive levels. Forgive me, today. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no. Look, he's never had a way with words that's been as eloquent as he seems to think he is. Um, so the way that it comes out was very ranty, very ravey. This is the Instagram story I'm talking about, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it just came across really insecure to me. And look, I, I think the one thing that's happening a lot with Kyrie at the moment is everyone is shitting on him left, left and right for not playing because of he's scared, supposedly, he's injured. All these things coming out like about his mood, his personality. Look, I think he's probably getting a bit of a bad rap now. Like It's going a bit far. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy he's off the team. I couldn't care less if, he, if he's terrible or if he's great for Brooklyn. Only when we play against him do I like wish him you know ill will. But um, uh, no, I think he's probably getting a bit of a bad rap now. And like if he does have some mental health issues, which he kind of alludes to in that uh, Instagram story then mm-hmm. i think the last thing he needs to be the last thing he needs is to get mocked but like he doesn't do himself any favors particularly like with the boston crowd no yeah i mean he he, he has a way with words in the sense that he uses lots of them unnecessarily he's, he's definitely read a thesaurus before or <laughs> yeah. looked at it yeah yeah i i feel like he has some sort of algorithm where he, like um <laughs> you know he inputs a, a standard sentence and it outputs the the maximum amount of words possible to still sort of semi-convey that that meaning yeah. i guess kind of like i just did in that in that sentence unfortunately he, he says um, a lot of words that <laughs> sound like what he's meant to say like it sounds like the word he's looking for but isn't quite like instead of saying statistics he'll say ballistics or instead of like intrusive he'll say obtrusive you know what i mean like yeah it just seems to have a pattern of like i know what i'm trying to say but i just don't actually know what the word is so i'll just throw it out there anyway yeah um it's yeah the whole thing it's for me is it i guess it's like an exercise in discovering your own inner hypocrite in like you talked about a second ago like last year Kyrie would say something publicly and you'd you'd search deep within to find a way to justify it you know to yeah. yourself uh, and to <laughs> non-celtics I'm glad, fans. I'm glad you did that as well too <laughs> <laughs> yeah and now here we are on the other side and look this side is so much easier where yeah. basically whenever he says anything it's like dude what the fuck are you talking about man that makes absolutely <laughs> no sense and for him to to rant on about you know living in a fishbowl and um you know the whole sports media entertainment side of things but also to go and make the uncle drew movie um, yeah. it's just an insane pairing i don't understand how he can say those words having put out that piece of shit movie um, again which i was <laughs> i stood behind i stood behind uncle drew a year ago and now i'm coming out publicly calling it a big piece of shit which renege, it is. renege yeah um yeah it, it, it is hypocritical in something i will never like hold it against someone to change their opinion or change sure, their mind that's, or something that's probably there, but, fair but yeah it, it's it's very hard to do coming from you know the uh, the career that he's had and around and the context around the situation. Like if he had done this, I don't know, in, in two months time, right on a, like a Thursday night when the Nets weren't even playing for some reason, I think people would just like raise their eyebrows at it, but they would just be like, Oh, Kyrie's all wacky and stuff. But because it's come out like during the, this, this Nets um, Celtics head to head and all the mm-hmm. talk about, you know, last year and shit like that, it's, it, it's just amplified it so much more. So I think if he, he really felt this way, he obviously felt like he needed to get off his chest and whatnot, but I don't think he really thought it through because it's just going to further validate the reputation that he has, <laughs> that he's yeah. trying to sort of dismiss, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I don't, I don't miss the dude. I don't, I don't wish him any ill will 
at all. But yeah, nah, <laughs> thank God he's off the team. Yeah, now look, rather than coming back to it later, while we're very much on the topic, um, I had these saved for the Reddit recap, but very relevant to the, the current uh, talking point. So let's start with a post to the sub by user All Creatives, and it's a John Corrales tweet quoting Marcus Smart, quote, Quite frankly, I'm really honestly tired of hearing about Kyrie. Kyrie's no longer with the Boston Celtics. It's a slap across everybody on this team that's here now to keep hearing Kyrie's name because every last one of these guys has put in the work. Um, and to follow that up, another post by user Leetspeak. It's a tweet by Mac DeMarco. Sorry, Mark D'Amico. <laughs> <laughs> another Brad Stevens Sorry, quote. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a Brad Stevens quote. Quote, I've written this down, Paulie. Apologies, guys. Uh, Brad Stevens on if post-game hugs with Kyrie will help everyone past his departure. Quote, we put it behind us in June. Basically, Stevens is saying it's on everyone outside the locker room to move past it, uh, which I agree. And I do, mm. you know, getting back to that this is all happening because of this home and home against the Nets. That's very true. I don't think anyone should be surprised in the, whether it's in the inner circle or the outer circle that all of this is sort of coming to the precipice now. I mean, we all know what happened with Kyrie Irving. We all know the the promise to re-sign with the team and the ridiculous ads um, and the fact that he, you know, we, we all know what happened. And now it's the first couple of games um, against his old team since all that happened. So like, it's not unreasonable to see all of this hype coming out of the media because it, it is a story. It's a thing. It's interesting. So... Like, while I hope it kind of um, simmers down now that it's all over, of course, this was all going to happen during these games. And that's why, you know, they, they made them uh, at least the first game, you know, ESPN mm. national games. Like, of course, this was going to be a popular storyline. Yeah, and, and we, I don't think we play the Nets again till like the end of March. But I can, I bet you, they, they, it all starts up again too, because that's what happens when you know there's there's teams, there's players playing against the, their former teams. You know, yeah. there's there's media narratives, and this stuff gets bought up for things to you know write about. And look, we're doing this right now. You know, is it Marcus Smart says he's sick of hearing about it, and here we are still yapping about it. But look, it, it is it is what it is, and. Um, yeah, like it's it's to be expected. I'm over it now. I think everyone's kind of had their fill of it now and everyone's just looking to move in their own directions. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that's what the last couple of days has been. And so, you know, we can all feast off of that and hopefully, mm. um, you know, be somewhat satiated and move on for the time being. But at some point, like we said last time, Kyrie has um, got to come back to TD Garden and face the music. And, you know, as a sports fan, uh, as someone who, you know, buys into the hype and all the, the storylines... Look forward to that shit. Yeah, Can't wait I to see that. I still have a feeling he's not coming back without Kevin Durant playing next to him. Mm, Just a feeling. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you want to get back to the games really quickly? Uh, there's a couple of points that we should touch on. Jalen Brown was incredible in the first game against the Nets, but had a pretty quiet game. Not nearly yeah. as much usage out of him as you'd expect with Hayward out in this second game. Um, he did have a couple of really nice plays, though, particularly early on. He got to the rim twice and... Uh, I think uh, Mike Gorman or maybe Scal were commenting on it how he patiently pump faked Jared Allen almost out of his shoes before getting the shot up I think he got an and one on one of them and while we didn't see much of Jalen in this game it continues to show us like these little incremental improvements from the last couple of years yeah, his footwork in the post, particularly there was one move I think he had on on Prince in the first game, and I think the one you move we're talking about on Jared Allen early in this game there, they were both sweet, sweet mm. moves. So yeah, no, it's um it's it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame that he didn't you know have as many shots as he as um you'd probably like him to see given how he played last game and how he has played this um, season in general. I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that's um 
you know, I, I'm assuming it was probably that they were just looking to get Tatum going because Tatum did start. Tatum got hot, got going is what I'm trying to say, and maybe they were just looking to favor him more at the expense of Brown. But I, I don't know, man. I think there's just sometimes just games happen where guys just don't get their shots when they probably should. I'm not going to read too much into it, but um, yeah, I, I do wish he, uh, I do wish he put up, he got a few more shots off. Yeah, so a Reddit user, Dinoff24, posted just an hour ago. I'm just reading this live off the sub. Brad's egalitarian offense is holding this team back. He basically goes on to sort of speak to that point where, you know, we get these guys who get the hot hand who are, you know, known good players, you know, as starting five, particularly Tatum and Brown. And it's not the first time this has been raised, but essentially the argument is that Brad Stevens is at fault because he's not feeding the hot hand there you know, later in games. And hmm. I actually responded to that that thread just before we started recording, basically saying, like, defenses adjust. You know, if Tatum's hot, if Brown's hot, if Brown, you know, dominated them or came close to dominating them in the previous game, of course the defense is going to adjust to try and keep the ball out of his hands. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, anyone excluding Tatum or Brown um, while they're hot. Uh, in these moments, it's more just, you know, I suppose it is an egalitarian offense where we go to, you know, where the good shots are, right? And if the good mm. shots don't lie with Tatum and Brown, then that's just how it is. Yeah, um, that, if you don't like it, support another team. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's the, the overall basketball philosophy of what Stevens is going for and what the Celtics try to play night in, night out is far more important than, you know, one player, you know, just, you know, getting their shots. When they are, when players are hot, yes, you do need to, it is, it's, it's, it's foolish to, you know, not at least run the majority of the offense through them until they at least start cooling down or until defenses figure them out. And I think there have been examples where Brad has probably, uh, yeah, been guilty of that, particularly with Tatum. But look, no, I, I don't think it's, I don't think he's holding this team back in in that respect. You know, I think if Haywood's out there, then you add another, you know, uh, piece of of the puzzle that's, you know, having was having an amazing scoring season. I think a lot of these problems take care of themselves because it is just another player who is an option and is good at shooting and is good at offense in general. So, um, I, yeah, he might be guilty of it from time to time, but no, it's, it's, it's not, it's not something that, that I'm worried about. Nothing, something that I don't think Brad has to, you know, necessarily correct, maybe feel out a little bit more, but not correct. Yeah. It's definitely tough. I feel like, um, he gets a bad rap at times because going back to, um, in particular, the Clippers game, when Tatum was really hot in sort of late in that third quarter and in that fourth quarter, and we seemingly weren't going to him, if you watch it back, he's posting up so many times and calling for the ball, but the Clippers are just doing a really good job of denying that entry pass and yeah. forcing us to go elsewhere. Uh, and that's where perhaps the, the team, the Celtics, are a little incomplete. Guys like Carson Edwards, who should be able to... Um, you know, get open for, for their shot in that situation where perhaps someone like Brown or Tatum are being double teamed and denied the ball. Um, he's just not hitting his shot. Uh, Grant Williams is another example of that where, you know, he's kind of brought in to get open and, and make shots and, and make plays. And uh, these are two rookies, unfortunately. And while um, they've got these certain roles assigned to them, they're just not quite ready for them yet. So mm. perhaps as they mature, perhaps as they grow, perhaps even moving into to next year, we start to see them be more effective in those roles. Um, and then we can discombobulate defenses a little bit where they have to actually make a decision, uh, a tougher decision as to whether or not to double these guys um, and help off of guys like Carson and Grant or whether or not to. And maybe that's where we can be a little bit more effective. The inclusion of, of, of Hayward, the reintroduction of Hayward back into the team definitely helps with that as well. Um, so there's a lot of variables there, but... Um, I just don't think that it's always fair to criticize Brad Stevens in that sense because, yes, the offense is a little egalitarian. Uh, look, if our good players are being doubled, we have to go to our other players. And if they're not hitting shots, then we lose games, I guess. And that's what we saw today. Um, yeah. 
Totally, Brad, 100%. Brad Wanamaker is a person that is filling his role quite well, <laughs> uh, particularly in the, in the last sort of five, six, uh, seven games, particularly in uh, transition offense. I feel like he is invincible at the moment getting to the hoop, whether that's, that's drawing a foul, uh, scoring, or even drawing an and one. Um it's easy to say now that I wish last year we tr- we traded Terry Rozier and, and put Wanamaker into that role sooner. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, this is really good to see. He seems like a really solid, reliable backup point guard and someone that we can rely on maybe going into the postseason as well. So that's maybe a, a diamond in the rough over the past few days. Yeah, totally, totally. I think if, if we're going to have... I think you need a really competent scoring point guard in your second unit. Like, I think Smart will probably go back to that role not that he's necessarily a scorer per se but he'll go back mm. to that one once Hayward comes back in but um, yeah no 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 what I make has been uh, fantastic so far this year really happy with his role quick shout out to former backup point guards did you see Shane Larkin had 49 points today yeah you're a league record right 100% Amazing. yeah yeah man <laughs> shout out shout out Shane Larkin man I miss that dude yeah, it's a shame uh, Wanamaker's so good. Otherwise, would he be, he'd be getting yeah. the phone call. If we, ha- if we had Larkin instead of Rozier last year, I don't think it would have done that much. <laughs> no. <laughs> it would have been, been slightly more enjoyable, I think. Just fun, slightly. Fun yeah. to think about. Uh, the Time Lord, it's kind of my last note here, needs to be said that for every pleasing thing that Rob Williams does on the court, there is currently an equally opposite displeasing thing. But we have to call out the this, this short stretch they'd had in the fourth where he hit this really nice lefty hook and then he followed it up with a wet, a moist, wet jump shot. And it had me thinking, like, ooh, we were talking about the big man problem a little earlier. If he can just hit on, like, I don't know, 36% of those, like, just enough to pique the interest of the defense, like, that could really open up what is a natural passing game for him and maybe increase the flow of our offense a little bit. Um yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope he works. I hope he works on that and develops that too. Because like I'm, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Robert Williams for all the frustrations that he uh, he gives to me and the Celtics <laughs> fan base in general. But um, no, like I really want to see his development this season and the seasons to come because I think that's a very viable option uh, at the big man that I, to to be like the big starter for us. But yeah, he's got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a shame today. I've I feel like Brad equally tried every big that we had except for Poirier and um, none of them could just give Brad what he wanted. Even even Grant Williams, God bless his soul. We all love Grant Williams, the space captain. But um, he had a couple, several even rookie errors in this game. Um, but, that, you know, he is a rookie. It's going to happen. So yeah. um, no, no this judgment. Is the, this is the year to make them. <laughs> <laughs> and look, very quick shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie, 32, 11, and 5 with some steals and some blocks and just like really two amazing all-round games from this guy who, um, you know, we're, we're talking about celebrating the backup point guard and um, I don't think there's maybe a better backup point guard or, you know, maybe ends up playing the two next to Kyrie when he's back. Um, but I don't think there's a better person in that role in the NBA at all. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, particularly after today's performance. He's, he's too good to be a backup, but like that, it's kind of scary to think about that he'll be the backup point guard on a team with Durant, Kyrie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, who's like statistically one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA yeah. history. <laughs> it's, yeah, and, not, and who's to say they're not going to like get maybe a couple of other veterans come on next year too. So I, I, really, I really, not to go on a tangent, I really hope we have a really strong playoff run this year at the expense of the Nets because next year it's going to get way harder. Yeah, or hopefully the seeding works out that perhaps the Nets and you know another powerhouse like um, like the Bucks or someone like they can at least cancel each other out and uh, we only yeah. have to battle up against one of them. But uh, they, we'll see. Yeah, that or they change the seedings completely by next season. Is it? 
They're talking uh, about it? Potentially, yes. Yeah, that could so be a it, might, it might not be our problem at all. Well, not, yeah. not, not in the playoffs. We'll have a new problem potentially will, facing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> facing West like, teams. Oh, oh, sweet. Now we have to play the Clippers. Nice. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this one. Jackson, just quickly before we go, the Celtics remain in New York for another game against the Knicks. Then they're back in TD Garden later this week against the Miami Heat. Uh, how are you feeling about these games coming up? Um... I always feel a little bit down after a loss. I think the New York, I think we'll beat the Knicks. I don't think it's going to be comfortable. The The game against the Heat, though, I, that's going to be, I, I hope we're up for that one because the Heat are very, very good. I can see that being a potential barn burner. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping 2-0 and and I'm going to say 2-0, and but I don't think it's going to be straightforward at all. Yeah, I, I, one, one and one, worst case, I think. I, the, the Knicks, I think, are just... Um like an easy walkover, particularly for us. They are arguably one of the worst teams in the league. Although last I checked the scores, they were giving Philly some trouble. Although I've probably jinxed that now in saying it out loud. And yeah, the Heat are a tough team and we're really going to have to improve the way that we've been playing um, to give them any trouble. They're, they're right up there with us and the Raptors as far as like top yeah. teams in the East. So it's going to be a fun a better, game. They're going to have a better record than us after today too. So seems that way yeah. yeah all i want for christmas is gordon hayward healthy and on the court honestly hold off on any other presents just give me yeah. gordon hayward absolutely <laughs> all right folks go and follow us on twitter at celtic reddit pod uh, and add your questions thoughts and whatever else to the comment section for this episode there on celtics reddit and otherwise just have yourself a damn fine day and the same goes for you jackson Thank you very much. And happy Thanksgiving, even though we don't celebrate it. Yeah, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.